0: This episode of the Columbia Basin Herald's Studio Basin Podcast is brought to you by the Moses Lake Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber works to help businesses in and around Moses Lake flourish through networking opportunities, member-to-member savings for products and services, and connecting businesses with the resources they need to make Moses Lake a wonderful place to live, work, and play. For more information, visit moseslake.com or call the chamber at 509-765-7888. Again, that's moseslake.com or 509-765-7888. Well, hello there. I am Charles Featherstone, senior reporter with the Columbia Basin Herald, and I am joined by senior reporter Cheryl Schweitzer and our entire sports department. (laughs) Well, between Cheryl and Ian, but we've got our sports correspondent, Ian Vivona and we're here to yak at you a little bit about goings-on in the Columbia Basin. So, tell us first, Cheryl, about the news from the Moses Lake School District.
1: Yes, the Moses Lake School District had had their meeting, and regular meeting Thursday, and the main subject that they talked about was the new elementary school, the 12th elementary, which will be located in May Valley.
0: Okay, so across the lake then.
1: Across the lake on West Shore West Shore Drive and Northeast f- or no Southeast Fourth Avenue, I believe. Okay. anyway, West Shore Drive. Okay, near the golf course, near right? The golf course. Mo- Moses Point, right? Yes. Um, it's going to be more expensive than they thought. Somewhere between thirty one and thirty nine million dollars. Okay. Um it will be a lot like Graf Elementary with some changes Not very big changes, but some small changes to the design to incorporate some of the things that they've learned from using Groff for a while. Um, The project should go out to bid by the end of this year, with construction starting next spring, and the goal of getting it to completion by the start of the twenty twenty five twenty six school year. All right. right, so and that's pretty much yeah the design is. it's going to look like Groff.
0: Okay, and this is this is all under that two thousand and seventeen school construction bond that one hundred and thirty-five yes. million dollars. this is all under that. Was was uh, a nail biter in the, in the vote yes. count and heavily contested. Yes. ran its way through the Washington state now, courts for a year.
1: They did not say, and I do not know yet, if that they still have enough left to because that's a much higher price than um, Groff. Okay. Groff will come in actually a little bit under budget. Um, the information I got from Jeremy O'Neill, who's the chief operations officer for the district, said GROF will be about between 27 and 28 million when it's all said and done, and it was projected to cost about 29 million. So costs have gone up substantially. I think everybody knows that. <laughs> Whether you're at the grocery store or you mm-hmm. um, are building a building, costs are higher. Um, so, we'll see how, we'll see where we go from here. But we have a design. The schematics were presented at the board meeting last night, and you'll see some of it in our newspaper, and some of it on there, you can find a, the schematic presentation on their website. Okay,
0: well, excellent. So, new elementary school for Moses Lake School District. Last week, here in Moses Lake, at the Grant Canyon International Airport, we had the test flight of a modified small passenger propeller driven passenger aircraft, the Dash 8, uh, modified with one engine to fly, powered by electricity from a hydrogen fuel cell. Um, it was quite the flight, and I think the most amazing thing, I've been to a number of these test flights and firsts, a number of electric aircraft flights, now this one I think is my third, so um, I think the thing that was most stunning about this is, is who it was for. There were a lot of people there from the business world and not just you know high muckety mucks we were talking chief technology officers we're talking um venture capitalists i for example on the on the bus out there sat next to the chief technology officer for rolls royce so um and listened to a, a british venture capitalist talk about some battery research behind me so it was the very very first time sort of a kind of a global class. I've watched this global class gather, gather here in Moses Lake, um, and it was almost uh, really the first time that kind of Moses Lake was sort of incidental to the event that was going on. Um, but it was fascinating to watch. Uh, the aircraft was quite quiet when they throttled down the the conventional fueled part of it. I did later learn later that. Um, it was it was a demonstration flight for what's possible they couldn't fly it solely on electric because they can't generate enough electricity and there aren't engines big enough at this point yet but it demonstrates what's possible and what Universal Hydrogen apparently wants to do is they want to be a hydrogen a hydrogen delivery system they want to deliver hydrogen as a fuel and they've got these nifty little pods that they have designed so a a interesting step uh, forward in uh, for Moses Lake as a place to do aircraft testing um, and then something else interesting happened this week. I haven't been able to report on it, but apparently Mitsubishi Heavy Industries in early February finally finally put an end to their ill-fated MRJ slash space jet program and they demolished the very first one. They hauled it out onto the it had been hauled out onto the tarmac. I saw it last week at the at the test flight, and then they, they apparently wanted didn't want anyone to know that they were taking it apart, but um, some photographs were taken and published of them disassembling the aircraft and they weren't doing it gently either, they were ripping it to shreds. <laughs> so I, we have no idea what will happen to the other four other, other remaining aircraft, I think it's four, it might only be three. Um, No one, of course, is talking about this, but (laughs) um, it's kind of a, you know, a a sad story, an ill-fated end to a a program that was once touted as, you know, Japan's first indigenous passenger aircraft in many, many years. And so, but we keep on going. So there is that. Um.
1: And all the MRJs, by the way, have all been taken back to Japan, correct? No, and I think they are either. all here. Oh, I think here. they are okay. all here.
0: They they took the engines off of them because the engines were all leased. And so they sent uh, the engines back to the proper owners. And okay. So I don't know what they're going to do with the aircraft. I suspect they'll probably save at least one of them to keep in a Mitsubishi Industries museum of some kind. So how, that'll probably be taken apart and shipped back to Japan. But the rest of them, I have no okay. idea. It's a pity that they're being, you know, one ought to go to a museum of flight here in Seattle or something. But. Um, and then maybe fi- it will. <laughs> and then maybe it will. And then finally, um, we've got Stoke Space Technologies. They have a facility here in Moses Lake where they have been testing rocket engines. Um, did a little feature. They've got a ring shaped cluster of rocket engines that they are hoping to use on a reusable second stage. Well, they've gotten clearance from Space Force because they are the people in charge of this these days um, to use a historic pad at the Canaveral Space Center. Um, The one John Glenn used to go into Earth orbit, they're going to have to do some refurbishing work because that pad hasn't been used since the 60s, so they're going to have to do some work on it, but they've been given clearance to use that pad to do some testing. So there has been talk of them doing some testing here in Moses Lake, but it wouldn't be them going very, very high since this is still very heavily controlled airspace and widely used and we're not sending rockets into the stratosphere from Moses (laughs) Lake, at least not to my knowledge. So, that's kind of interesting, and again, it's Moses Lake peripherally involved in, in happenings in aerospace, which um, is quite the deal these days. So, The sports segment of the Studio Basin Podcast is brought to you by the readers of the Columbia Basin Herald. The paper serves the entirety of Grant and Adams County in central and eastern Washington, which has strong traditions in agriculture, industry, and taking care of one another. The Columbia Basin Herald is grateful to our readers for their support and to our advertisers who support our efforts to keep the communities we serve informed. All right, Ian, you have been busy the last few weeks with basketball. Yes, Well, you I both have. have been busy with basketball. <laughs> yes, Ian busier have. than me. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. yeah, well, I was in Spokane for the uh, 1B and 2B uh, Boys and Girls State Tournaments. Cheryl was in Yakima for Othello's uh, tournament run as well. And we had five uh, local teams that ended up making it to state. Three of them ended up taking home hardware, so that's quite an accomplishment. And by
0: hardware, you mean trophies, plaques? Yes. <laughs> so uh, Top six type stuff.
2: Yeah. Uh, stuff that can be displayed in live.
1: Stuff that you can put in your trophy case at school. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, so, Warden, uh, they had the highest finish. They took third in the 2B Girls State Tournament. Uh, to get to that third place trophy, they defeated LaConnor, 58-43 to 43 in the quarterfinals. They lost to Colfax, who was the eventual state champion. That was actually a rematch of last year's 2B state title game, where Warden won by 15 points. Uh, <laughs> this year, they lost to Colfax, 66-53. to It was actually a much closer game than that score really says. Warden was up by four to start the fourth quarter, but Colfax went on a huge 12-0 run. Mm-hmm. That kind of gave him the that lead for good. It. Yeah, and then uh, you know late in the game. Warden's trying to foul, get the ball back, so right. that allowed Colfax to put a couple extra points on the board. I'm sure that made them feel a little better after last year's state championship game. But <laughs> uh, for Warden, that made them drop to the third and fifth place game, which they faced off against Napavine. Uh, they won 54-47. to uh, and Ended up taking home that third place trophy. Throughout the tournament, uh, junior Lauren Madsen averaged 22.6 points per game. And, wow. uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. I was talking with her after the game. Uh, She said next year since she's a junior and Warden's losing a really solid group of seniors who have been contributing last year's state championship (laughs) run Uh, their freshman year when they play six in the 1A girls state tournament. Uh, They've really kind of been this key group for Warden but they're all going to be graduating and Lauren said that she's going to step up into more of a leadership role Um, but we'll see what they can do next year. 26
1: points a game is pretty good leadership. Yeah
2: no it's (laughs) it's not bad it's not bad when you have that kind of production on the floor. Uh, it's the second straight year for Warden with a top three finish and uh, the third the third state tournament in a row where they're bringing home a trophy. So, wow. Yeah, congratulations to the Cougars. It's pretty good. Finishing top three in the state isn't uh, too Cougs. bad at all. Yeah. For Lynn Ritzville-Sprague, they placed fifth in the 2B Boys State Tournament. They had a couple of upsets to get there. They were the ninth seed in the 2B Boys State Tournament. They upset number eight, Adna, 61-48. to 48. That was another game where they had, they led by about four or five points going into the fourth quarter. And then, I mean, they just surged down the stretch to a double-digit win. And they took down the number two seed, Morton Whitepass, 51-44. to 44. Uh, Morton Whitepass, they had a really good player. I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's huge. 6'7", mm-hmm. big guy in the paint. Uh, he got into foul trouble, and when uh, Ritzville was able to kind of use that to their advantage, they drove more into the paint, ended up getting out with that seven-point win to advance to the state semifinals where they faced off against Brewster. They ended up losing 55 to 50, dropped that into that third and fifth place game where they lost to Columbia Burbank, 70 uh, to 49. And I mean, at that point, when you're in the, the fourth game in a row, four days, some of the teams you're going up against played one less game as well. It just kind of gets a little tiring for that mm-hmm. for them at that point. Uh, but for for the Broncos, they were the highest seed in any classification, boys or girls, to make it to the state semifinals. They're the ninth yeah. seed. I don't believe anyone. Uh, I don't think anyone under an eight seed also made it there. So, a bit of a gap there. Um, their leading scorer throughout the tournament was sophomore Jace Kelly, who had 19.8 points per game. It uh, means he's still only a sophomore, so they've got something to build off of there. Uh, the Broncos have a good amount of seniors who are in key roles, starters, role players. They're going to be graduating this year, but um, I mean, the future. I mean, when you got a player like that who's only a sophomore, the future's still a little bright for him. Kelly also against Brewster, he hit six threes, four of which came in the second quarter, helped, helped them to build a it was about a nine point lead at halftime, and uh, Brewster just kind of clawed back. I mean, they've got two really good guys of their own and a really solid team. They ended up making it to the uh, Brewster made it to the uh, state finals against Davenport, where Davenport won. And then our third uh, local team that ended up taking home a trophy was Othello. They took six in the two A girls state tournament. Uh, how they got there was they ha- they also upset the number two seed. They took down Linden, thirty three to thirty one. They lost to the eventual state champion Ellensburg, who I mean Ellensburg yeah, is Ellensburg. dominant this year. <laughs>
1: Ellensburg, I don't think had a had a game under twenty points twenty point win at the state tournament. Wow, I, think. I mean the state tournament, yeah they were, all, yeah. They were all at least twenty points, I believe.
2: Man, well they lost they lost to Ellensburg, uh, but then they bounced back with a win over WF West, uh, fifty six to forty four. And then uh, they lost in the fourth and sixth place game by two points, so it was pretty narrow. But yeah, uh, I mean Cheryl, you were at some of the games. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe you could talk a me about a little bit about their run.
1: Um, this is the first time that Othello has the girl. Uh, this is Othello girls. It's mm-hmm. the first time they've been to the state tournament since two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their second highest finish ever as a program. Mm. Um, They played very, very tough defense throughout the whole, the two games that I saw. In fact, in in one game they held the opponent, I think it was the, I think it was Squim, which was their final game. Mm -hmm. I think didn't get a basket in the second quarter or only got one basket. Wow. I think they scored two points and both of them were off free throws if I remember correctly. they wrote, a, they wrote a very tough defense. They worked very hard, you mm-hmm. um, know. A lot of Othello people at the games, the band was there. Maybe not the whole band, but part of the band. Mm-hmm. So it's a big turnout for the town. It's a big deal. First time, like I said, in 15 years, basically, mm-hmm. that they made it to the state tournament. They were, I believe, the ninth seed also. Mm-hmm. And they might have been the tenth seed, but I think they were the ninth seed. And I don't think they were. I think if you ask people around the state, they wouldn't. They weren't really sure that Othello would do as well as they did. Mm-hmm. But they, yeah, they yeah, did. I mean,
2: when you're the ninth or tenth seed, upsetting the number two seed—that's yeah, uh, not a that's bad that's way to start good. off your state yeah, tournament. Yeah, that's
1: not a bad way.
2: <laughs> and and uh, you mentioned the fans. And in Spokane, uh, all the all the teams that made to Spokane, mm-hmm. they had a great fan base there cheering. Um, I know the the Broncos crowd in the in the stand. They were always on their feet. Uh, their their band. They have a guitarist mm-hmm. who plays. You know, like ACDC you know, <laughs> songs. Uh, that always got the crowd really energized. That was awesome to see. And just kind of the whole environment mm-hmm. that State. Brings. The
1: Warden game that I went to the week before, which mm-hmm. was the play in the like the first round of the state tournament. They played in Ellensburg. Um, Warden fans filled that gym. Really? Yes. That the crowd was quite large for those. There's nothing like state, and there's nothing like state basketball, mm-hmm. and people really turn out for those games, which is good to see that the kids get the, get the support and the recognition that they deserve mm-hmm. for. Is it's a it's a demanding four days. By oh, the time definitely. you're done, you've played a lot of basketball and you've played a lot of hard basketball.
2: Mm-hmm. I wasn't even on the floor for the game, and I was tired. So I, can't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine how those uh, those teams that made it to those placement games felt after yeah. those, uh, I those, mean, those it's, tough four it's days. A lot of,
1: yeah, it's a lot of work and a lot of... And having come down here from Brewster, I can say, Go Bears, second in state, is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, those three teams weren't the only teams to go to state. Uh, both the Moses Lake Christian Academy, Covenant Christian School, Boys and Girls, ended up making the state as well. Uh, The girls were the sixth seed. They had, in the first round, um, regional round, they lost to Colton by three points in overtime, so it was a really close game. But that meant they didn't get the bye, so they had to face off. 9 a.m. tip-off on Wednesday in the Spokane Arena.
1: Breakfast bracket, as they call it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
2: They played Odessa. Uh, They ended up losing by five points. The Lions held a nine-point advantage with six six minutes remaining, but Odessa, who was in the bonus at that point, they used... Free throws to their advantage, ended up taking the lead with a couple minutes left. Um, in the second half, Odessa shot 17 of 24 from the free throw line.
1: That's so, pretty good.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty uh, pretty, pretty good hit percentage from free throw. Um, and then for the boys, they won their first round game, or they lost their play-in game, um, the seeding game, where they ended up didn't get a bye as well mm-hmm. like the girls uh, but in the first round at State in Spokane, they took down Sound Christian 58-54. to 54. Um, And then the, uh, the day after in the State quarterfinals, they lost to DeSales, who, I mean, they just used their really strong defense and uh, their press coverage um, to kind of limit the lines in the half-court, make it hard to get past um, the half-court mm-hmm. line. Um, and you could kind of see, I, I think it was about a 25 or a 30-point loss, and they just kind mm-hmm. of kept their foot on the gas throughout the entire game. And then, kind of similarly, when you get to that third game after a loss like that, it gets a little difficult to kind of maybe get up a little bit. Um, And they saw that against Orcas Island. uh, It was a really low scoring first half for the Lions in that uh, it was like a playing game to get to the fourth and Mm -hmm. sixth place game in the Constellation bracket. I believe, I know they got shut out in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. And I think they scored the Lions, I think they only scored eight points at halftime. I think it was about 22 to eight at the half. And I mean, at that point, it's just kind of when when no one's get, when nothing's going in the rim like that, everything's kind of, you know, uh, rimming out or just kind of, there's a lid on top of the basket.
1: Bank hitting off the front rim and stuff yeah, like that. It yeah, it just
2: kind of gets a little difficult. But um, I know I was talking with both of their coaches, uh, the Lions boys and girls, and they were just saying how proud they are of this senior class to kind of build the program to this point where uh, it's back-to-back state appearances for both teams. So congratulations on making it to state to the Lions. That's quite an accomplishment in and of itself. So. Yeah.
1: That is something I should say about Othello, too. They mm-hmm. have not really uh, challenged in basketball the last few years mm-hmm. for quite a while. And the work of the ki- the, the girls on the team and their coaches um, made a big difference mm-hmm. in Othello and got them to state for the first time in over a decade.
2: Mm-hmm. So That's awesome. Uh, that's kind of that's pretty much it for state basketball i mean I'm, I'm sad the season's over i love basketball but uh it wouldn't hit the same if it was always here you know well, what's coming <laughs> next uh well we got spring sports that are starting up this weekend we don't know if there's going to be actually any games because of the weather but we'll see um and then uh on the 22nd we have our spring sports preview coming out that'll have uh kind of season previews for one or two of the teams from each school so we got that coming out. I got that to work on. Can't wait for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. ESPN Radio's already been running um, preseason games with the Mariners, so mm-hmm. I listened to the last couple of innings yeah. of one later la- last
2: week. Sometimes we're going to so. be
1: looking at baseball, softball, golf, tennis,
2: track and field,
1: track and field. Okay. I think that's boys soccer. Oh yes. Boys so when it starts to warm up, if you're bored at home, there's always there's probably a game somewhere that you can go to and watch enjoy the weather and watch the guys mm, the definitely the kids.
2: and uh, if you're interested in reading about the state games uh, there's game by game uh, stories on our website if you want to read about a particular game whether it's uh, LRS's upset win or Othello's upset win uh, over their number two seeds in their respective brackets feel free to go check those out on the columbiabasinherald.com great well, thank you all very, very much. The Studio Basin Podcast
0: is produced by the Columbia Basin Herald, a local newspaper serving Grant and Adams counties in Washington State. Our publisher is Clint Schroeder, and our regional general manager is Bob Richardson. Our managing editor is Rob Miller, and our reporting staff consists of senior reporter Charles Featherstone, senior reporter Cheryl Schweitzer, staff writer and paginator Joel Martin, staff writer Rebecca Pettingill, and sports reporter Ian Vivona. The Columbia Basin Herald is published five days a week in print and online. The paper's website is www.columbiabasinherald.com. And to provide feedback on the paper or the podcast, please email us at editor at columbiabasinherald.com. Also, you can download our app, available at both the Apple and Google stores. So, Columbia Basin Herald CBH app. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk at you next week.